I know it's a small crowd today, but that's okay because I feel really good about today. I don't know why. It's just been, I've been so charged up. And I, it could be that I had five shots of espresso, and that's okay. That's part of this adrenaline rush. But I'm going to tell you one of the main reasons I'm excited about this is because I've been learning so much about the true Christmas story that I've never realized after 21 years of being in full-time Christian service. There's so many things that God has just showed me. And uh, we just finished up a series on maintenance required letters to the church from Paul. We're completely shifting gears after that mini-series, and we're going to focus primarily today on the 18th of December on Christmas. Now, I am extremely excited about uh, December 22nd, because on that night, uh, I think one of the most powerful portions of Scripture is not only going to be focused on, but we're going to take communion together, but also... I'm, I, I, I was in my van just a minute ago, and I'm just studying, going through some things. And we had a clear direction of where we were going with some specific videos that we want to show. But, man, God hit me so hard about shifting gears just a little bit. And I cannot wait for you to experience Thursday night because you're going to absolutely love it. Not because uh, Stephen and myself are going to be doing communion. It has nothing to do with that. It's just the presentation of Christmas is going to be so unique and different. I don't want you to miss out on that. So speaking of that, I want to talk to you about an unexpected Christmas. And uh, it's in Luke chapter 2. It's the Christmas story. But Christmas is... Christmas has become uh, more of, of a, a cultural thing than a scriptural thing. I, I, we, we've westernized Christmas. And so there's a lot of things about Christmas that we just missed, that we thought we understood. Like we look at the nativity scene, and we think that really describes what Christmas is all about, but it, it's missing it. Uh, for instance, I, I hate to be a, one of those pastors that bring bad news around Christmas, but because of geographically and agriculturally and culturally speaking uh, about the, the time of Christ, the birth of Christ probably didn't even take place in December. It's more likely that the birth of Christ was around August. And we know that because all, uh, according to the studies, um, where the shepherds were at that specific time, they were living in the fields. They were not just attending to the sheep in the field. They were actually living there. And the reason they were living there is because usually that takes place during the summer. It's right after um, they're done with, with uh, a number of different things that are taking place in the field. One of the things was the crops were just taken up, and they leave all these remnants for the sheep to feed off of. So scholars have come to the realization, according to that period of time, culturally speaking, uh, geographically in that region of Bethlehem, it was probably around... Um, August, but I, I thought it's interesting how many people think because they see a nativity scene and they see so many Christmas dramas that there was actually three wise men or three kings that showed up at, um, at, at Bethlehem. Two things wrong with that. We don't know how many were there. Uh, it could have been five. It could have been six. They just think three because there was three gifts that were presented and they were definitely not at Bethlehem when presenting those gifts. It was probably nearly two years after the birth of Jesus. So Jesus was probably around two years old. So people get that wrong. It's funny how many things we think we have figured out. We really don't. There was no angels at the nativity scene, if you would. They, they, they weren't present there at all. They were present beforehand, but not there. 
And the idea of what an angel looked like that would be there is so distinctly wrong. Um, it's, it's, it would probably terrify most people what an angel looked like according to the book of Ezekiel. And then the location of the birth um, is not necessarily true either. I mean, it was definitely Bethlehem. But this traditional stable that we think of is not probably true at all. It's more like a cave or a cave entrance, if you would, or a ledge. Uh, that's what most shepherds would use. And we're going to go into some of that in just a minute. Because I think it's time for people to truly understand, because we're missing it, what was Christmas truly like? What was it at the time of Christ? What, was, what were they experiencing and seeing? And I want to focus primarily on the shepherds and, and it bring to life this unexpected Christmas. So why don't we just start off with the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 and we'll begin in verse 1. We're going to read through and we're going to study this together. Um, and, 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 and it's going to be interesting as we read through this. There's going to be some things that I want to point out. And so it's not going to feel, um, there's not going to be as much application as there is going to be education for today, okay? So I just decided if we're going to go that direction... I'm going to keep my coffee up here, and we'll just set the mood, all right? Everybody with me? So uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, you notice that Caesar Augustus' name is mentioned in verse 1, but neither of those are his real name. Uh, His name is actually Octavius. Uh, Caesar was used... As, as to represent a king or an emperor or a pharaoh, that's not necessarily his name. But Augustus also means um, it's exalted one or, uh, as some would say, the majestic one or honored one. Is that, does that make sense? So what has happened here is the, this specific individual, Octavius, has made a decree that everybody is to be taxed. Now, it's interesting that the word taxed is used. Let's go to Luke chapter 2 and verse 2. Let's skip to verse 3, okay? And all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. And then verse 4, and it says this, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, why? Because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. The King James translation uh, translates this word uh, taxed, but it actually means registered. And I understand why they did that. It's, it's because everything at that time um, was pointing to taxation. All right, so the census they would use, this registration or being registered, if you would, was uh, for military purposes, but it was also for taxation purposes. And so that, that was the reason to go back to their place of origin. And so, it, it, you know, some believe that the Jewish people made this requirement to go back to that tribal uh, allotment of, of origin because it just made more sense to break them up according to their tribal location, and, uh, and that was easier for the census. So I, I understand that to be true, but also I understand that when I read this, that it was important for Joseph and Mary to go back to their origin because it was prophesied. Uh, he's of the David's tribe of Judah. At this time, they're in Nazareth, right? Everybody with me? Mary and Joseph are in Nazareth. This is the tribe of, uh, of Zebulon. And so they need to move from this tribe to the tribe of Judah. 
where their origin is from. And so they are making this move. And man, it's what a haul. I mean, we're talking about, thank God it was probably around August because that's a 90 mile uh, journey. And whether they used, you know, a donkey or a horse, we don't really know. But that was a very long journey, and it was a sketchy journey because there was so much theft going on around that time uh, because they knew people were journeying. And so they took advantage of that, the thieves. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 6, as we continue to read, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And so here we are at the tail end of this pregnancy, nine months in, and it would have been very likely that the baby would have born in Jesus, born in Nazareth. But because this isn't about the timeline of man, it's God's timeline. It was already prophesied by Micah in in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 that he would be born in Bethlehem, this little tiny town. At that time, there was only like 300 people in the whole city. And so it was prophesied that, that, that the ruler of Israel will come out of Bethlehem. You that is small amongst the thousands. Why? Because this little town of nearly 300 people was going to experience the birth of the Son of God. And so uh, here she is, and I'm sure Joseph was thinking, why are we doing this? Why are we traveling at this point in the pregnancy? But he knew he had to do it. Now, he didn't get any heads up from an angel that Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. God was lining all this up. It had nothing to do with Caesar. had nothing to do with the census. It had everything to do with God's plan. 700 years prior to this, the prophet Micah said this will happen in Bethlehem. This is all God-ordained. So it's all lining up. And so here we are, and we find ourselves in verse 7, Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn said, son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. The, the location and the situation involving the birth of Jesus Christ was a picture of sacrifice, humility, and rejection, all in this one verse. For instance, the swaddling clothes, we know that's burial rags. Those were burial rags that were uh, small strips ripped and tied off at the end, end to end, almost like uh, bandages, and they would use that often as shepherds, and we'll talk about that in a minute, to wrap a newborn lamb. But specifically, it was used now for Jesus. And then, so you see this, this, uh, this sacrificial giving of his life, and it's a foreshadow of it. But not only that, look at this, the manger. I think it's interesting, so many people get in their mind that a manger is uh, this beautiful uh, handcrafted um, manger made of wood, but it wasn't that at all. It was made of stone, and it was carved out of that stone. Often it was in, edged out of the, the, the side of a mountain near where the, the, the um, stable would be, that cliff edge. And so this is where the animals would feed. And, and, and it's a feeding trough, right? And so this shows the humility of, of the Son of God being placed in this feeding trough. And then there's this no room 
which is a picture of the foreshadowing of the rejection of Jesus Christ, as we see at the end of verse 7 of Luke chapter 2. And so there's no room in the end. I don't think that's by chance. Uh, it's interesting because the, the, the word in makes us think of something like the Ramada in. It's nothing of that sort. It's almost like an Airbnb. It was these homes set up at this period of time for those that had um, come to the city for this specific reason because of Caesar Augustus, the taxation and the registration and so forth. And so these rooms were available. Obviously, Mary and Joseph were running a little bit behind because of circumstances, her being with child. And so to get the room they wanted, the space they needed, it just wasn't available. I can't imagine what Joseph was feeling at this time. I mean, he knew and he got word from the angel himself that you are going to father the very son of God. And he's already thinking to himself, I've already messed up (laughs) because we're late for everything. And here I am in the city that's just booming with people, this little town, because everybody's coming home for Christmas, if you would. (laughs) And, 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 And there's no space. There's no room. Caravans would often go to these locations, and the way it would be set up is there would be like a courtyard in the middle, and there would be these buildings surrounding it, almost like a square, and it would be like one to two floors. And so the animals would meet in the middle, and, and, and they would use that space for all of their animals, the camels, the horses, the donkeys, the water was supplied, Uh, The hay and all of that was located in the middle, almost like stables, if you would. But none of this was available for them. Often we see these these, um, dramas or little kids performing the Christmas story and the man saying, there's no room in the end, but we got a barn here. It probably didn't work that way at all. And I'll get to that in a minute. There's so much more involved in this beautiful story, which brings us to the next portion of scripture in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. So I want to share with you guys the rest of the Christmas story. That's just kind of an introduction, if you would. And I, want to, I entitled this An Unexpected Christmas because I want to focus primarily on the shepherds within this portion of scripture in this story of, uh, of the birth of Jesus Christ. And the reason why I entitled it An Unexpected Christmas is because it was that. For the shepherds, this was completely unexpected. There's a lot of things that were unexpected. I don't think Joseph expected Mary at this at this location to give birth at the stable. I I, I think it was unexpected that they that they couldn't get in the inn. I think it was unexpected that um, that they were experiencing. Um, just the hustle and bustle of what was taking place in Bethlehem. I didn't. I don't think Joseph expected that. And so all of this is happening, but specifically for the shepherds, this was unexpected. So let's, let's dive into this. Let's look together in the very next verse at the unexpected Christmas. Everybody with me? You all follow me? All right. Here we are. Verse 8. And there were as in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. I'm going to break this down. 
There's a reason why Christmas carols focus on the word night, because we know, according to scriptures, specifically in this passage, that the birth of Jesus took place at night. You have silent night. It came upon the midnight clear. That's not by chance that they wrote those Christmas carols specifically that way, because we know for certain that happened. But if you look at this passage, you'll notice also the shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Um, I, I was so excited because I was finally going to be able to go to Israel in March. And I have so many pastor friends that are, they just went and things just kind of fell apart. I'm not able to do that. But one of the areas that I specifically wanted to go to was Bethlehem. And Bethlehem It's very unique when you walk the fields because they have towers for shepherds. The towers were built in such a unique way because at the top of the tower, they would look out amongst the field over the flock. That's why the Bible specifically says in this portion of scripture that keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, it goes a little further than that. We'll see that in just a minute. Because that tower is very unique in multiple ways. So they're watching over the sheep by night. Shepherding um, was a prominent um, position, if you would, in scripture. We see it over and over again. But shepherding is one of the oldest professions in the world. Uh, Not just in scripture, across the world, it's been one of the things that we've seen repeated as a profession over and over again. All the way at the beginning of time, Adam himself cared for the sheep. He had dominion over the animal kingdom, according to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. But also we know that his son Abel was called the keeper of sheep, according to Genesis chapter 4 and verse 2. And so throughout biblical history, the significant men were, uh, were shepherds. Think about this. You have um, Jacob and Jacob's son were shepherds. You have Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. So with that in mind, I want you to understand that there's these shepherds and the shepherds represent ordinary people. That's very important for you to get before we go any further. The shepherds represented ordinary people. So why did God choose to announce the birth of Jesus Christ to these ordinary people. Get this. Shepherds were not just ordinary. They were considered lower lower class, lower society. They were often, and it's disturbing to think of this, they were often considered one step below those with leprosy. Can you imagine? They were just outcast. For a matter of fact, shepherds were not welcome within the realm or the city limits of Bethlehem. They had to be on the outskirts. But these specific, these specific shepherds were uniquely different, and I'll explain that in just a minute. So why did Jesus, or excuse me, God, choose these ordinary people, these shepherds, to announce to the city and to as many people as possible that the king of kings was born? I believe because they represented ordinary people. Wouldn't it have made more sense for those to use, for God to use more favorable influences of people, people that had more influence in the sense that they studied and they were preparing for the birth of the Messiah, kind of like the wise men, but God did not. You see, for us in our way of thinking, 
it makes sense from a human perspective and with a human agenda that you should use somebody outside of these individuals, these ordinary people. But God has a different perspective. God has a different agenda, and it's quite different from ours. God chose shepherds to remind mankind that all are welcome to come before Jesus Christ. Not only that, it's very important to understand that God did it in in a very specific way. If you want to call it the low road and the high road, the low road would be the shepherds, ordinary people. The high road were these profound men that were considered wise men or kings. And so both were welcomed. And and God welcomes everybody. And that's very important to understand as we look at these shepherds because they represented ordinary people. Romans chapter 2 and verse 11 says it this way. For there is no respect of persons with God. All are welcome. Nobody is an outcast. It doesn't matter who you are. Whether you're rich or poor, you're all welcome. I love that the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Jesus says, come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. The Bible continues also to tell us in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, doesn't matter who you are, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, the shepherds are a reminder that God's calling all of us to know him and to serve him. That is vitally important when you study the Christmas story. The shepherds, they represented the the ordinary people, but they also represented an extraordinary God. It is very symbolic and very beautiful because remember, shepherds are used throughout scripture over and over again. For whatever reason, God referenced them over and over again throughout his words. Remember in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus is described as a shepherd in the New Testament. Believers are comforted even by the words of Jesus because he said it this way in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd does what? He lays his life down for his sheep. He says, I know them and they follow me. I lay my life down for my sheep, as the Bible says in the book of John. And so only Jesus can be called this good shepherd. He is good because he is God. He is perfect and without sin. And only he could accomplish what was required to save his people from their sin, to rescue them, if you would. So John declared Jesus as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He was the final sacrifice. It was Jesus Christ who was going to be the final sacrifice, the final lamb that was to be slain. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 7 says it this way. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. You see, these shepherds, according to the Bible scholars, were called Levitical shepherds. They weren't the average shepherds. You see, why that's important is because Levitical shepherds would oversee the flock that was used for the, as sacrificial lambs for the temple. That's the only reason they were so close to the city limits of Bethlehem. See, that tower was special that they would stand in because they would overlook the flock. But at the bottom of the tower was unique because 
It was set aside in a clean form, format for when a, 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 a mother you would give birth. She would give that birth at that specific location. And these shepherds would take that, that lamb, clean it up and cover it with swaddling clothes, the same, same regs they would use for burial, the same regs that Jesus was wrapped in at his birth. And then they would often lay it in a manger-type setting to hold it in, in securely. But I want you to understand this is very important. It is not by chance that these shepherds, these uh, Levitical shepherds are the ones that are located in the fields surrounding Bethlehem at this specific location around August. Because their job and what they were trained to do is to take care of these, these lambs, these sheep, and, and because these, they, they were to be spotless and without blemish. See, when that lamb was born, it, it would only be one year that that lamb would be alive. And it had to be protected for that year for the sacrifice that would be taking place on the Sabbath. And so here they are, these shepherds. These shepherds are representing ordinary people. These shepherds are representing an extraordinary God. And it's very symbolic because these shepherds, they foreshadowed the shepherd that Jesus would be. And not only that, but the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. It was all a symbolic, beautiful picture of what was to come. Is everybody following me? Do you see that the Christmas story is so much more than what we have ever imagined it could be? It wasn't by chance that the shepherds were there. It wasn't by chance that that Bethlehem was the location that Mary would birth the very Son of God. None of this took place by chance. It wasn't by chance that there was no room in the inn. And so let's look at this next portion. I I want you to see the shepherds, but look at the angels. We're just following scripture. In verse 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And, And what does the Bible say? And they were so afraid. We see this over and over and over again in scripture when an angel shows up. Everybody's freaked out. Everybody's freaked out. The reason why everybody's freaked out is because what they're looking at doesn't look like something that's very traditional to us. The pictures that we see of an angel. Angels are scary. Angels have a presentation that's um, intimidating, if you would. And so I want you to focus on this angel for a minute because here's the shepherds in the midst of a field. And all of a sudden, one angel shows up. Now, what angel is it? The Bible doesn't tell us. I believe it's Gabriel. I believe Michael is getting ready for all of the heavenly hosts to appear in just a few minutes. But Gabriel is making the announcement and he's standing in the midst of the field. And here's these shepherds, if you would. They're looking out of the watchtower and there is a, and a, this, this being standing there in all of his glory. He didn't need a spotlight because he's just lit up. And so he's standing there and he's ready and he brought an announcement. The angel brought this announcement that we read every Christmas, and so here it is in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. And the angel said unto them, fear not, fear not. Seems like every time an angel shows up, they say that, fear not, just calm down. Now, think about this, think about this. They're in the middle of a field, in the middle of the night, 
And this strange being shows up. The light show, whatever it was, I'm sure it was overwhelming. And maybe at that moment, in that period of time, over 2,000 years ago, they're thinking of the word alien. I don't know. But it would feel like that at that very moment because aliens only show up in the middle of a field in the middle of the night. So here is this presence there, this, this, in, uh, this elaborate angel. And so the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, for behold... Man, that's important to catch. Behold, that means listen up, pay attention. This is big, big news. And he literally says it's news. I, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not to a, a remnant of people, not to just God's chosen people, but to the Gentiles and to the Jews. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In verse 12, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. We bypass that every time we read it. We kind of just don't even think about the importance of that language that's in that verse, verse 12. But I'm going to explain in just a minute. The angel's announcement was twofold. It was good tidings and great joy. Good tidings is translated good news. You know what that means? The good news is the gospel. This is the first time the gospel has ever been given. And it was given to the shepherds. And so here's what he says. I give you good news. What is the good news? The good news is that Jesus Christ is to be born. Why is this the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus. That he was, that he was born into the world. That he lived 33 and a half years. He died and he rose again. And so that brings you to that portion of scripture. That says a savior which is Christ the Lord. This is the good news. He's the savior of the world. He's the one that's going to change everything. He's flipping the script. And so here we go. He says, the Lord, this is a declaration to announce this is God in flesh. This is not like we'd experience in in the 1800s in, in England, a Lord. This is the Lord in reference to the Trinity. And this is in reference to the God Son, which is part of the triune God. It's a beautiful picture that he's illustrating and putting in front of these shepherds. And then he says, great joy. It's very simplistic. Be happy because the day has finally come. The Messiah is to be born. This is the day everybody's been waiting for. So good tidings. Here's the gospel, the good news, but great joy to you. After the announcement was made, the angel made reference to a location of Jesus' birth, but he did it in a really interesting way because the angel doesn't give direction. He doesn't give an address. He just says, you'll find, this is a sign. Notice it says, a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, what? If I was the shepherd, I would be thinking to myself right at this point. So, The Messiah is born, and all you're going to give me is the fact he's laying in a manger, and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, put the pieces together. Why did the angel choose to only give them that information? Do you know why? Because these shepherds were not normal shepherds. They're Levitical shepherds. So they understood there's only so many of the mangers in this location specifically mangers that have swaddling clothes. Are you all following me? We're going somewhere here. 
so important for you to get it. I love this. It's so exciting for me because there's so much of this that I just, you know, we miss. Now watch this. So in other words, the angel's saying you'll find him lying in a manger and he's in swaddling clothes. Immediately, these shepherds are thinking there's only a few locations this could take place because we're Levitical shepherds. There's specific locations where these sheep would give birth to this, this ewe lamb and then they're wrapped and they're preserved and they're, they're without spot and blemish. And we know every one of those locations. And it's not this one. So let's go to the one that it might be. And so they went to find that location. But before any of that happened, I want to draw your attention to some things that are very important. Every bit of this is so symbolic and so beautiful the way God laid it out. The angel brought an announcement, but also the angel brought an anthem. This is so cool. So if we just continue reading scripture, we go to the very next verse, which is verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel, that one angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill towards men. Now, here's an interesting thing. It's believed when you compare John's encounter in Revelations chapter 5 of the multitude of angels that he encountered. He actually describes how many were there. Literally well over a million. If we compare what he describes as a multitude or of a heavenly host, then there is a good chance at this very moment that the sky was filled with millions, if not just a million angels. Some scholars believe that every angel that was in heaven was present at that very moment. A couple of reasons why that could have been. Because at that moment, true spiritual warfare was about to take place. The Son of God was just born. Do you not think the imps of hell were aware of that? Do you not know that Satan knows prophecy and he was aware of what was going on? So the heavenly host could have been millions. Can you imagine being a shepherd standing there in that watchtower, looking out in the sky and thinking, it's over? I mean, I would be thinking, this is it. But that's not what they thought at all. They got excited because now everything's going to change. This is it. This is the moment we've been waiting for. Glory to God is in reference to the glory that God is owed, but not only that, that Jesus is to bring. He is bringing glory to the Father because he's fulfilling the will of the Father by being born into this world, living 33 and a half years, and going to die on a cross. He is fulfilling prophecy. And the Bible says peace. Speaks right here in this passage of Scripture on earth. What is this peace? It's the Prince of Peace. The peace that's going to pass all understanding is now here. Man, this is incredible. And so you also see goodwill. What is that all about? What is the goodwill? It's the gracious will of God given to mankind through Jesus Christ. God's will is being fulfilled. Mercy has been given. And peace can be given to all man because of the Prince of Peace is being born. Now, here we are. These incredible shepherds standing before Maybe Gabriel, and they're seeing this heavenly host, and everything's been announced, and then boom, everybody's gone except the shepherds. Every angel disappears. Look with me. 
as we continue to read. If you look in verse, verse 15 of Luke chapter 2, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. So we believe that they were in the heavens when they appeared. The shepherds said one to another, what did they say? Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which is the Lord hath made known unto us, which the Lord has made known unto us. This isn't just about angels. This is about God himself. This is the reality that the Messiah has come. Now, I want you to understand they did three things. They believed, and then they would seek, and then they would tell. Nobody had to convince them this was true. They weren't going to go, wow, that was weird. Don't believe that's true. I mean, really? No, this was the real deal. This is really happening. What better way to announce the son of God's birth, the birth, the birthday of Jesus, than to have millions of angels proclaiming the birth. Some believe it was the singing of the angels. I don't know if that's true. I know it was an announcement. But at that moment, they had to make a decision. And I say the same decision has to be made for us. Do we believe? Do we believe? Do we fully believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He lived, He died, and He rose again? Do we believe in the prophecy just as they had to believe in the prophecy? Not only that, do we really believe in the fullness of the story of Jesus Christ? It's just become a traditional thing, a religious thing. Do we really fully embrace the reality of the Christmas story? Because we can't miss any of it. We have to understand all of it is so vitally important. From the angels to the shepherds to the anthem, the announcement, even to the location and Joseph and Mary. All of it is vitally important. Do you believe? The Bible says they would seek him out. They literally went to look for him. They knew where to go. Again, there are these Levitical shepherds that knew there were specific locations in only those specific locations where the baby Jesus would be located because they've been there. They've been there when that, that, that mother you would give birth to that baby lamb. They were there and they clean it all up and make sure there was no spots or blemishes on them. And then they'd begin to wrap them all up in very tightly in such a way that they could lay it in that manger securely. They've been there. And so that's where they would seek Jesus. I do not believe Joseph was a moron. I believe Joseph made a horrible decision to wait the, long, the length of time he waited. I don't know what he ran into in that 90-mile journey. It, it, we, we have no idea what put him behind. I mean, he's on foot. I believe when he got there, he was well aware If I cannot be in an inn, then I'm going to find the stable that is the most sufficient stable for my wife's birth. And what better stable than have the Levitical shepherds stable because they sterilize it and they make sure it's not covered with mud and filth. Because they had to make sure that those little lambs that were born were securely taken care of. Are you all following me? What a beautiful picture. So they would seek out the Son of God. But as we begin to read through this passage is the end of this story. The Bible says in verse 16, and they came with haste. That means they weren't waiting around. I mean, they were ready to move and found Mary and Joseph and the babe 
lying in a manger. This is the third time it's mentioned, the manger, because it's very important. And the Bible says in verse 17, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the sayings which was told them concerning this child. They didn't make abroad or speak abroad what they saw. They announced what they heard. Y'all following me? They believed in what the word of God was. So I say this, you have a choice to make at Christmas. It is to believe, it is to seek, it is to tell. Because when we experience Jesus Christ in our lives, we have an obligation to tell the word of God, the truth that is in his word to everybody. We can't hold back. We have to make sure everybody knows. Verse 18, and all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. It's the beautiful story of Christmas, but there's so much that we miss. It was an unexpected Christmas for these shepherds, but it was an experience that they'll never, ever forget. If you continue to read, even Mary herself said she held on to these things that she experienced and held them into her heart. She's done that a number of times throughout Scripture when she was seeing Jesus grow up. Such an incredible story. I want to stop there. I want you to do me a favor. Would you just bow with me? And I want to do this a little different. As Victor begins to play, I want you to focus on some specific things, okay? Just quietly to yourself as this moment as we close things out. I want, you to, I want you to think on a couple of things. How does the shepherds relate to you? How does the shepherds relate to you? I'm going to tell you they relate to you the same way they related 2,000 years ago. They represented ordinary people. There's nobody special. We all are sinners. It doesn't matter how much money we make or how much money we don't make. It doesn't matter how famous we are or how much, fa- how, fame, how much fame we don't have. We're just ordinary people. We have so much in common with these shepherds. They represented an extraordinary God. And why is that important for us? I know it was symbolic at this point because Jesus would become a picture of a shepherd. Also, Jesus would become that lamb that was slain for all mankind. But how does that relate to us? Because I'm going to tell you, his story is our story. We're ordinary people. And we represent an extraordinary God because of what he's done in our life. I don't want to miss that at Christmas. I don't want to get caught up on everything that doesn't matter. This is what it's all about. The angels will never experience what we have experienced. Redemption. They're these beings that are beautiful creations of God. But they will never be able to rejoice in heaven over one person coming to know Jesus Christ because they do not understand justification. They do not understand grace and redemption. They've just witnessed it, but they don't understand it. That is a special gift that puts us in a higher place than the angels themselves. Our announcement of the birth of Jesus to people around us that we work with in our families is just as important as the announcement that was made to the shepherds. It's an anthem. It's something that we should declare. We should play, even if you don't like Christmas music, you need to play it. 
those beautiful Christmas carols that announce the birth of Jesus Christ. Because it's an anthem. And we should be so proud and excited for what God has done and what He can do for others. Believe, seek, and to tell. 